great news from Sprint. The wait is finally over. The new Samsung Galaxy Note 10 with the powerful S Pen has arrived at Sprint and you can get it for 50% off with a Sprint Flex lease. That's right, get the power of performance and productivity of the Galaxy Note 10 for less than $20 per month. There's never been a better time to switch. To learn more, visit your local Sprint store, sprint.com slash Galaxy Note 10 or call 800 Sprint 1 today. 1979 a month after 1980 monthly credit applied within two bills with approved credit 18 month lease and new line of service. If canceled, literally remain balance due. Exclusive tax coverage and offer not available everywhere through the activation fee restrictions apply. Daily Podcast. I am your host, TJ McBride of MileHighSports.com. That is where you can find all of the best Nuggets content around. Just type in MileHighSports.com into your browser and click on that Nuggets icon in the top right corner. The Nuggets got absolutely obliterated by the uh, Golden State Warriors last night. The, the final score was only 116 to 102, but this game was a 30-point game at different points throughout the night. So Denver really wasn't as close as the final score showed. So I want to get into really briefly just how bad Denver played in this game and some you know quick takeaways before diving in w- into what is essentially a mailbag episode of this show. I asked for questions on Twitter as I usually do and I got flooded with quite a few. So instead of trying to break down the nuances of Denver's complete and utter beatdown by the Golden State Warriors, I'm just going to go and dive into questions that listeners and fans of the Nuggets have. Um, that way maybe we can actually gain a little bit of something out of doing this podcast instead of just reliving what was a very awful night for the Denver Nuggets. Before we do all of that, though, I don't want to go any further until I give Nipsey Hussle a shout out and say rest in peace to one of the greats, because this man, regardless of what you think about his hip hop, did so much for the Crenshaw community and everybody in South LA, where most people don't go back. I mean, that's a ghetto where people refuse to actually go back and help out because it is so dangerous. But Nipsey just refused to do so. Went back, started Marathon Clothing, uh, you know, right there on Crenshaw and Slauson, and he made a difference in that community. He helped that community. He did a he saved lives in that community. And without Nipsey, LA would be a much worse place than it already is, especially when you get into the inner city and things start getting rough. So make sure to pay that respect to Nipsey Hussle because that is a very rare individual. And what Baron Davis said was perfect. What Tupac said he wanted to do is what Nipsey Hussle did in terms of giving back to his community and empowering people in the ghetto to actually grow bigger than what people think they can actually achieve. So I had to at least give one quick shout out to Nipsey Hussle. Clearly he impacts so much of the NBA community. You see Russell Westbrook getting a 20-20-20 game and giving up respect to Nipsey Hussle for that game. And DeMar DeRozan wearing Crenshaw on his shoes. DeMar DeRozan is from Compton. Um, and so many of these different players and, you know, big-time focal points of the NBA have paid so much respect to him for very clear reasons that Nipsey Hussle was a rare, rare human being that without him, the world is absolutely a worse place. All right, now that that is out of the way and it's time to get back into basketball, let's just hit a couple of these quick topics of what happened in the Nuggets' loss to Golden State. And first and foremost, the Nuggets were strong for the first eight minutes of the game. They were tied 24-24 with the Warriors. And once that bench unit came in and basically just got punched straight in the mouth, they just fell apart. The Nuggets' bench was really, really rough tonight, I thought. Um... 
Monte Morris had 10 points and an assist, but just wasn't as impactful as you would think he was. Malik Beasley's shot is no longer falling at this point, and without having enough players creating offense, Mason Plumlee has become an afterthought offensively. Still good defensively, but... He just hasn't been the same player that he has uh, he was when the Nuggets bench unit was really clicking. So it just wasn't good. After the Nuggets bench unit got punched like that, the starters came back in and things just continued to snowball from there on. Denver went from you know being tied 24-24 to eventually having a 30-point deficit in their laps. It was a very, very rough game and everything kind of just fell apart after that first eight minutes of the game. And once that happened, things just got worse and worse and worse for the final 40 minutes. And then on top of that, the Nuggets are just not getting enough out of their guards at this point. I don't know what has gone on, but Will Barton, 5 of 12 from the field, 0 of 2 from 3. Gary Harris, 1 of 9 from the field, 0 of 2 from 3. People were talking about how Jamal Murray had actually a pretty good game, and he wasn't terrible, but again, 6 of 14 from the field, which isn't terrible, isn't good, and going 1 of 5 from 3 is not what you want to see from a guy who came into the league as a sniper 3-point shooter. Did have 4 rebounds, 3 assists, and 5 steals, but it just didn't matter. There wasn't enough that he was able to add to this game to get the Nuggets over the hump. So the Nuggets need to find a way to get their guards back into a rhythm. And it's not just that their individual numbers have fallen off. It's the fact that no one has really showed that they can play in a two-man game with Nikola Jokic with the same effectiveness that they had, honestly, in the past few years. The Nuggets went from Jamal Murray and Gary Harris and Will Barton, all three of them, being able to interchange with Nikola Jokic, whether it's in a dribble handoff or a pick and roll or a give-and-go or whatever set they're running and were able to function at an extremely high level. It was that two-man game that was able to be played with three different guards at any given point that made the Nuggets offense so lethal. And now that these guards just are not producing at the same level... There's been a big step backwards for the Nuggets offense, and we'll get into a bunch of questions later on from the fans, but I think that is something that has been a big reason why the Nuggets offense has struggled so much, is that there just is, there doesn't seem to be any cohesion with Nikola Jokic, and after the game, Nikola Jokic talked to Mike Singer and Nick Kosmider, uh Mike Singer of the Denver Post and Nick Kosmider of The Athletic, about how the offense just feels weird to him right now, and I can't really remember a time in which I remember Nikola Jokic calling the offense offense or saying that it felt weird that was very noteworthy for me and I'll get into a little bit later why that was so noteworthy to me but the Nuggets really need to find a way to get back on track offensively and it starts with their guards playing with Nikola Jokic not as two separate entities which is what it feels like right now and in addition to that the bench unit has really struggled recently Monte Morris and Malik Beasley have taken big steps backwards Monte Morris since the all-star break is only posting like a 98.9 offensive rating they have just fallen off a cliff in terms of production and on top of that their three-point shooting has really also taken a big decline as well so there is a, there's just something going on with that bench unit to where either they've hit the that proverbial wall where it's Monte Morris is essentially rookie season and this is the most Malik Beasley has ever played in his NBA career. So maybe they're just both getting fatigued or they're hitting that wall. I don't know what it is, but like I said earlier, without Monte Morris and Malik Beasley producing at a high level, it has taken away what makes Mason Plumlee so good. For him to be the third option offensively and to either create on the short roll or catch lobs from both Beasley and Morris came because of the attention that Malik Beasley and Monte Morris were able to kind of shoulder themselves. So without those two being able to be strong um, producers for that Nuggets bench unit, 
Mason Plumley offensively has not found a rhythm anymore, and all of a sudden his role that he was playing so well for so much of the season has kind of just disappeared because of the way that Monte and Malik are suddenly playing. And it's not that they're playing a different style, they're just not executing anymore for whatever reason. Um, there was one positive from this game, and this is of course the most my you know TJ take possible. But Jared Vanderbilt was great. He played seven minutes, was four of four from the field, had ten points, three rebounds. He had one steal as well, and was a plus sixteen in seven minutes against the Warriors' garbage time lineup. Still, it was good to see Jared Vanderbilt go out there, uh, get some good minutes, and play well. And you know, yeah. That's basically all I got to say. Um, before I dive into the rest of all of the questions that I got, which I got, I have like I think ten questions that I picked to go through for the um, for this Nuggets mailbag. Uh, let me first give a quick shout out to the Regulators Production Group. They are the ones who made the beats on the intro and outro of this podcast. And in addition to the Regulators Regime, which is where you can find them on Instagram, also a shout out to Terrapin Care Station, who is the presenting sponsor of the show. There is no Denver Nuggets Daily without Terrapin Care Station. So before we go any further, I have to give you a quick word from the best place for all of your cannabis goods in the metro Denver area of Colorado. Before we get into the rest of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast, let me give you one quick word from our sponsors over at Terrapin Care Station. Since 2010, Terrapin Care Station has been providing patients and customers with high-quality cannabis products at everyday low prices. Serving the communities of Denver, Boulder, and Aurora, they offer their own flower and concentrates, as well as all the brands you love at prices that you just won't believe. They pride themselves in having the most knowledgeable and professional staff in the industry, and their team will work with you one-on-one to help you find the products that are perfect for you. Their dispensaries are unassuming, safe, and discreet with ample parking at every location for a seamless retail experience. For up-to-date menus and promotions, head over to www.terrapincarestation.com or just come visit one of their five convenient Colorado locations today. Again, that is terrapincarestation.com, T-E-R-R-A-P-I-N, carestation.com. This is my favorite segment of the show, which is answering questions that come in from listeners. So let's just dive into all of these questions because there were some really, really good ones, in my opinion, that came through this time. So first and foremost, from Dirty Dingus McGee, um, is it better to run this team down to get the two seed or rest them and get whatever seed but stay rested? This is hard because Denver's in a weird spot. Rest would be great. Jamal Murray has rolled his ankle approximately 252 times this year, so getting his left ankle some rest would be very good. Plus, Nikola Jokic has played basically every single minute that he has been allowed to play this year. So they could really use some rest for those guys, guys like Monte Morris and Malik Beasley, who have played the most minutes of their career by far. But... They, they're not really in a position where they can rest, and it's not because they want to get the top two seed. I think, in my opinion, the Nuggets are looking to play some level of strong basketball leading into the playoffs. Until they do that, I'm just not sure if Michael Malone is going to rest his guys. He wants to see them put together actual consistent basketball at some point, and they have not been able to do so Um at this point since the All-Star break, you know, stands for the one game against the Oklahoma City Thunder. But 
with that being said, I mean, they, they do need that rest. So it's going to be a tough decision for Michael Malone. I personally think that the Nuggets only rest um, in that last game of the season against um, the Minnesota Timberwolves at home. That's probably the only time that I see Michael Malone being like, Nicola Jokic, Jamal Murray, you guys are all on load management tonight. We're not playing you. Monte Morris is going to play 20 minutes. However, he ends up doing it. If there's going to be a minute that he does so, I think it would be against Minnesota on the last day of the season. Because up until that point, which we'll talk about in a little bit, the Nuggets have some games that they have to win if they want that top two seed. Uh, they play the Spurs, and they play the Portland Trailblazers home and home, and then they play at Utah before coming back home to take on the Minnesota Timberwolves. So I do think that Denver is going to have a very tough time finding a spot to rest their players. And if they're going to, it wouldn't be until the last game of the season when Denver has put together a couple strong games, has locked in at least home court through the first round, which is right almost there, ready for Denver to get it. I believe their magic number is two to get um, home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs. But until they at least put together a strong performance and or lock up that four seed at the minimum I do not see Denver resting and if they haven't played strong basketball until that point they might flat out just not rest in addition to that I mean with the way things are shaken up if the Nuggets want the two seed that last game against Minnesota may be uh, may end up being a win that the Nuggets need to get so it's going to be very interesting end of the season and really nothing is set in stone now because the Nuggets have lost too many games in the past week it you know without these losses the Nuggets are probably like if the Nuggets just beat the Wizards, they're probably pretty much locked up the two seed at this point because the you would need the Rockets to go you know three and one or four and zero to have any chance to catch Denver. But since they lost to the Wizards, there is enough of an opening of the door to where Denver may not be able to rest their guys. All right. Uh, what is your guess on the final standings for us? So I went through and I looked at the at the schedule for Portland, for Utah, and for the Nuggets for the remaining schedule to see about where they would be and what would need to happen for Denver to get overtaken. So if Denver goes 4-1 and one in their last five games, it does not matter. Houston and Portland will not be able to catch them, and Denver will come away with that two seed in the Western Conference. If Denver happens to go 3-2 and two in their last five games, Houston would need to go 4-0 and to pass them, and Portland would need to go 5-0 and to pass them. Denver has a tiebreaker over Portland and does not own it over Houston, which is why Houston would be able to pass them going 4-0 despite having the same record. Um, if Denver goes 2-3, Houston needs to go either 3-1 needs to go 3-1 or 4-0 to pass them, and Portland would need to go 4-1 or 5-0 to pass them. So it's not as if it's an easy situation for um, either Houston or Portland to catch Denver, but the door is open enough. So personally, when I look at the last of the, of the standings, I do think Denver ends up going either three and two or four and one. I think they beat the Spurs. I think they beat Portland in one of their last two matchups, and I think that they can beat Minnesota in the last game of the season if they need to. The only thing is, is that if Denver can get that win at Utah, it would be huge for them. It would be a big confidence boost going into the playoffs it would virtually lock them up into that two seed because that's that's the one of the toughest games we'll have to play to finish the season out and uh, they just need to be able to prove to themselves that they can beat Utah especially in Utah so I personally think Denver ends up going three and two I think they beat the Spurs I think they beat the Blazers one of those two times and I think they either beat 
Utah and or Minnesota. If they beat Utah, they'll rest against Minnesota, so it doesn't really matter win or loss. If they lose to Utah, they'll have to beat Minnesota. So for me, I think they finish 3-2, and two, and I do think that the Nuggets will get passed by Houston for the two seed. It's just the, the Houston Rockets play at the Clippers um, in LA, then they play at home versus the Knicks, at home versus the Suns, and then at Oklahoma City, where the I mean, the Thunder just haven't been very good since Paul George had that shoulder injury. So I, it would not surprise me if somehow the Rockets managed to season, managed to finish the season four and zero. So I do think the Nuggets probably end up losing that two seed, and that but they do go three and two to finish the season. It's going to be a very interesting end of the year, but I could very easily see Denver going four and one, and all of a sudden they're in a position to where they lock up that two seed and they go into the playoffs with home court advantage in the first two rounds of the playoffs. Moving forward. Oh, by the way, that was from Sokran thirty one. 96.3 on Twitter. Sorry, I said that weird, but yes. Thank you, Sokran, for your question. Uh, what do the Nuggets have to do in the playoffs to deem this season a success? This comes in from Currency Kings on Twitter. This is going to sound blasphemous to a lot of Nuggets fans who have, you know, change their expectations for where the Nuggets are, but for me, win three games. I don't care if Denver loses the first round in the playoffs, just make sure you at least make this a seven-game series. Get a real taste of what it feels like to be in the midst of a very competitive playoff series so that it can give you enough of a motivation for next year to come out swinging for the fences. I would not be surprised, again, I've said this all year, I would not be surprised in any situation if the Nuggets lose in the first round of the playoffs, and I would not deem it an unsuccessful season if they do so. If they lose in five games or get swept, yes, that's bad. That's not something that I think should ever happen. But this Nuggets team did not make the playoffs last year. To expect them to suddenly become Western Conference Finals contenders just is not fair. That's not to say that if things break the correct way for them in the way the playoff brackets end up shaking out that they can't, that they don't have an opportunity to make the Western Conference Finals. But to expect that is completely disingenuous for where this Nuggets group is as a team and in terms of their growth as a franchise. They are still all under 24 years old for the most point. They did not make the playoffs last year. Everybody on this roster is virtually untested in the playoffs. So to expect anything as opposed to a few wins in the playoffs, I, I don't think it's fair to them. So for me, win three games. Don't care how you do it, just win at least three games in the playoffs. Moving on, offense has been atrocious during the win streak, or even during the win streak. How does Denver fix it? This comes in from FGZO on Twitter. For me, everything about this has to come back to the Nuggets just don't seem like they're having nearly as much fun anymore. I don't know why. I don't know what happened. I don't know what's gone on inside of the inside the locker room or if there is anything or if they're just tired. But they do not seem to have the same joy playing together that they had earlier in the year. And honestly... Denver is a team that just, when they're at their best, they're having fun. That's just that's just really what it comes down to. And until they can reclaim that excitement, that joy, I don't know if they're going to find a way to become dominant offensively once again. And it's hard to. That's not to say that the Nuggets should be able just to walk, you know, waltz back into being a top five offense again. But 
it's going to take some serious internal reflection, and also it'll take Nikola Jokic really getting on guys, I think, to get them back to playing their version of basketball. Again, like I said earlier on the show when I was talking about the specific loss of the Warriors, I do feel like this Nuggets team, like the Nuggets guards, have not played with Nikola Jokic nearly as often. That two-man game has seemingly just kind of disappeared, and they need to find a way to get either Gary Harris, Jamal Murray, or Will Barton, or some combination of those three, back to playing cohesive basketball with Nikola Jokic again. Right now, Nikola Jokic's assists are way down and the guards are taking a whole lot more shots without a whole lot of, you know, actual execution offensively. It's a lot of one, two dribble pull-up jumpers and things like that. So I think that I think Nikola Jokic needs to get with his guys. They need to find a way to get back on the same page and play altruistic basketball again because when the Nuggets aren't playing together, they are a mediocre team and they need to find a way to get back to playing through Nikola Jokic in the way that they were and I think the only way they're going to do that is that they find a way to start enjoying playing with each other once again and let this frustration kind of just roll off of them. This is all self-manufactured frustration. This is not something that opposing teams are doing to Denver. Yes, the Golden State Warriors absolutely rolled the Nuggets last night, but the Nuggets did themselves more damage than the Warriors did to them. The Nuggets refused to play through each other. They were not playing altruistic basketball. They were not communicating defensively. They were not playing together. And when you have that happen, I don't care what team they're playing. It could be the Wizards or the, or, or the Warriors. If the Nuggets play that way, they will lose both of those games, which is exactly what has happened this week. So they need to get back to playing together, and they need to get back to playing through Nikola Jokic as their hub, not as an individualistic you know, post-up score when they need it. So that's really what I think needs to change for Denver to get back to playing their version of basketball. They need to have joy, they need to play together, and they need to play through Nikola Jokic as a playmaker, not just as a scorer. Coulter on Twitter asked, first off, uh, sorry, he asked, what has um, what has happened to Gary Harris recently? Would the team be better off starting Monte Morris in his spot to push Jamal off ball as well? First off, and I will talk about this again in the next question, the Nuggets should not change their starting lineup. There's no reason to. I don't care that Will Barton is struggling. I don't care that Gary Harris is struggling. I don't care that Jamal Murray has not been as fantastic as we may have thought he could have been in the starting unit. So we need to just temper out this whole let's just completely change the starting lineup with the playoffs five games away that is just blasphemous at this point there is no reason to change the starting lineup the Nuggets starting lineup has been one of the more dominant units in the league regardless of how they have played over the past couple weeks I have complete faith they will get back into their rhythm and that is what I'm sticking to that is my take and I am not getting off of it until we see this unit come to a point where they fall apart they have not had enough time to play together and I can't wait to see where they get to in terms of you know their cohesion once they get a few more games under their belt. Secondly, when it comes to Gary Harris in particular, it does feel like he's just trying to find his rhythm still. What, what people are missing is that Gary Harris has been highly efficient as a scorer over the past few games, or since the All-Star break, basically. He's shooting like 45% from deep since the All-Star break or something like that, and has been generally very, very strong for Denver. The only issue is, is that he's not getting very many shots. So... I do think that the Nuggets need to find a way to get Gary Harris more involved in actions with Nikola Jokic and make him more of a focal point offensively. I would be running way more dribble handoffs with Gary Harris and Nikola Jokic and trying to find a way to get that combination to be 
effective once again because right now it just isn't. And that's a very frustrating point for this Nuggets team is that they have not been able to get anybody on the same page with Nikola Jokic and they need to find a way to do so. And if it's me, I'm not going to Will Barton or Jamal Murray. I'm going straight to Gary Harris and I'm trying to get that tandem back to a lethal level once again because they have not been there. And Denver will not win in the playoffs unless they have at least one of those guards working symbiotically with Nikola Jokic. So do not change the starting lineup. That's it. So yes, again, next question from Ryan. Would the Nuggets be better bringing Barton off the bench? No, they won't. It doesn't matter. Will Barton has been too important to this to this group for a long period of time. I don't care about the past. You know, like this these past few, like ten games where he has struggled. They, they should not change the starting lineup. End all. Full stop. Does not matter. Do you think Jared Vanderbilt should be getting uh, Trey Lyles's minutes? Nikola Gotic on Twitter put this out there. Okay. I, I had an interaction with a fan on Twitter about this actually before the game or during the game where they were like, listen, like what is Jared Vanderbilt bring to the table or what does Trey Lyles bring to the table that Jared Vanderbilt doesn't? And in the middle of the game, I'm thinking, you know, he's at least someone who can at least make open jump shots despite him not doing that this year. He has a little bit more length and a little bit taller. So he plays more of that traditional big. He has more experience. But when I saw Kevin Durant completely not guarding him when he was on the perimeter and just letting him take open threes that he continued to miss over and over again I found myself thinking why wouldn't Jared Vanderbilt be a better player at this moment in time I know there's five games left I know it's unfair to Jared Vanderbilt to throw him into this rotation considering how much is on the line right now but I mean Jared I mean what is Jared Vanderbilt really how is he going to hurt the Nuggets more than Trey Lyles has? That's what it comes down to for me, and I don't think he would. And then, of course, as I'm thinking about this, the game gets completely out of hand. The Nuggets go to their garbage time lineup, and he has 10 points, 3 rebounds, hits all 4 of his shots from the field. It looks great. So for me, I'm at the point now to where I don't care. I'm okay with the Nuggets playing Jared Vanderbilt as their fourth big off the bench when they have either foul trouble or a back-to-back. That's cool with me because Trey Lyles is bringing nothing to the table for Denver. He was off against the Warriors last night, and I'm 100% on board now with Jared Vanderbilt taking his minutes despite his, his, his inexperience, despite his lack of offensive touch. At least he gives you tons of energy, lots of activity on defense, and a versatile defender, and a guy who was relentless as a rebounder. So you know what? I'm there. Play Ver- Jared Vanderbilt over Trey Lyles. I would be happy about it. I just don't see that actually happening. The next question comes in from Fernando Diaz on Twitter, and he asked, does Malone have the ability to adjust the mood of the team? And I actually kind of wrote about this a couple weeks ago on Mile High Sports, and what Malone basically said was, there is not a film study, there is not a conversation, there is nothing he can do as a coach to get his players to play with energy. In my opinion, he has tried so many things to get this Nuggets team to play consistent basketball, and I think that's why he's been so frustrated recently, is that he feels like he's just banging his head against the wall unnecessarily, because his team just will not find a way to dig down and play consistent basketball at this point in the season. So... I don't think there's anything that tr- that Michael Malone can do at this point. He's tried so hard to do it, and as he says all the time, he can't go out there and play. It's up to the players to run it out there and be consistent and play basketball the right way, and as of right now, they're just not doing that, and it's really hurt the Nuggets at this point in the season. I don't know what it's going to take. I don't know what it's going to be. The Nuggets have seemingly answered the, um, the bell whenever they've been challenged, but recently they have not been able to step up in a way that the Nuggets really 
really need to. And I'm curious if they're able to do so before the season ends. But as of right now, there's nothing Michael Malone in particular can do in order to really get this team back on track in the way that they need to be with the playoffs showing up in a very, very short amount of time. Last question. I would love for you to elaborate on Jokic's quotes after the game from Mitchie5280. I think this is a very important thing because Nikola Jokic's quotes, and this is coming via the Denver Post, via Mike Singer, who writes for them. He is the Nuggets beat writer. Um, These quotes were very, very interesting. I'm going to go step by step with them. So Jokic said, I don't know, brother. Jokic said from a visiting quiet locker room inside Oracle Arena after the loss. I'm not thinking about that right now. I'm just thinking about tomorrow when he was asked about the offense. Jokic has seemed more frustrated than usual, at least reading these quotes without a whole lot of context. And it's justifiable. Jokic is really trying to find a way to get this team playing together, and it just isn't happening right now. And I'm sure for a guy as altruistic as Jokic, that has to be incredibly frustrating. Here's the next quote. It seems like we are just kind of standing and waiting to see what everybody's going to do. It feels weird right now, Nikola said. Nikola Jokic and... He's, he's a purely instinctual player. He's like an artist. He kind of just goes and does. There's not a whole lot of premeditated thought into him going into each game and how he's going to attack the matchup. Nikola Jokic just kind of takes the game as it comes and reacts in a almost savant-like level of just insane production. That's what makes him so unguardable is that it doesn't matter what you throw at him. Jokic just adapts and evolves so quickly on a basketball court. So for him to say it just feels weird right now, almost like he has no control of what is happening, that's noteworthy to me. That is something that makes me extremely nervous for where this Nuggets team is at. Prior to reading these quotes, I was not in a situation to where I was worried about this Nuggets team. I was summing it up to, this is just late March, early April basketball, which is always awful, for a, especially for a Nuggets team that has battled all year in order to be at this point, considering all of the injuries they have had. But... When I read that like that quote, it just feels weird right now. I do get nervous. And then uh, Jokic did follow up by the end of the uh, by the end of the story saying, "I think the main problem is that we're not making shots and then everything else comes with that." Which is totally justifiable, but there's a reason shots aren't falling. It's because of the way the Nuggets are getting the shots. They may be good shots, but they're not getting those shots in the same way. So it's just a very weird spot for them right now. And Nikola Jokic, he really hit it on the nose in terms of the Nuggets not playing selfless. This is what he thinks needs to change. Screen for each other. Cut. Because it because when you cut, if you're not open, someone else is going to get open. Just do the selfless thing for the team. Again, this is where I go back to the Nuggets are kind of playing more selfish basketball. The guards are operating on a different wavelength than Nikola Jokic is it. And then to finish the story, which was a great way to end, Nikola Jokic on what needs to change is probably relax. And when the game comes to just and when it, and when the game comes, just be focused. So I think that those are the right ways to go about it. But it does worry about me, and. I don't know. It worries me when Nikola Jokic feels like he doesn't have a grasp on this offense all of a sudden. He's the architect of everything that the Nuggets do, and if he doesn't feel like he has a good grasp on what is happening, that makes me extremely nervous. So, 
Now, with all of that being said, all of those questions answered, the Nuggets have five games remaining in the regular season. They will be playing the Spurs tonight on Wednesday, April 3rd for the second night of a back-to-back in Denver before taking on the Trail Blazers in a couple days in Denver as well. Denver will then have an off day before traveling to Portland to take on the Trail Blazers for the second time in three days, and then they will travel to Utah to take on the Jazz before finishing the season at home against Minnesota. I talked about this a little bit earlier, but I do think the Nuggets beat the Spurs. I think they at least beat the Portland Trailblazers once out of their two matchups, and I think they win one of the Utah or Minnesota games. If they beat Utah, they won't need to beat Minnesota, and they'll probably rest. So that's why I think they lose one of those two games, because if they lose to Utah, they probably will have to beat Minnesota in order to hold on to that two seed. So I think Denver finishes 3-2. and two. They could finish 4-1. and one. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they get angry and finish 5-0. and oh. If they go four and one they lock in that two seed if they go three and two it leaves the door open for Houston and Portland to make a run and potentially jump into that two seed it's going to be a very interesting end of the season but all I know is that it's going to be fun and stick to Denver Nuggets daily for everything you need all the Nuggets content at Mile High Sports will continue to go up thank you guys so much for interacting and sending in so many good questions for this last time We will be back with a new podcast after the Nuggets Spurs game tonight, and it's going to be a good one. Thank you guys very much, and we'll talk to you shortly. Go when others don't and fly there with Aer Lingus. Our European sale is full of amazing off-season deals to over 20 European cities like Paris, London, Amsterdam and Dublin. Book today at aerlingus.com.